With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Pour one more beer for me. Exile needs quality. So savagely. Best beer in all the land. Brewed with a loving hand. From bottle, keg, or can. Exile Brewing. E-X-I-L-E. For me. E-X-I-L-E. Let's drink. Pick up a 12-pack today. Enjoy your been paying attention to some uh, of the BTN stuff with the tour stops already beginning. They've been to Indiana. They've been to Ohio State. Indiana has been one of your darling Big Ten performers in the preseason. Based upon what you've heard from the BTN guys, are you walking any of that back a little bit? Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, every year you and I have done this podcast at the end of the training camps and kind of gone through what we heard from the BTN crew that you know, had us reconsider our positions. And um, I, I don't, I'm not, I don't want to doubt their football acumen. I mean, you know, Jerry DiNardo has coached on a national championship team, played for one, and he wasn't the greatest head coach, but he had success at the same time. Howard Griffith was, you know, a Super Bowl champion, um, played on some of the best Illinois football teams of the last, you know, half half century frankly so i mean these guys know what they're talking about even if they don't necessarily always do the most scintillating television and i say that to point out though that often the stuff that they say doesn't come to fruition well i shouldn't say often it's 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 50 50 you know um and i go back to last year last year well you know michigan michigan state ohio state all kind of looked like the same team to me michigan state went three and i Okay, um, so they really weren't the same team. Well, they might not have been uh, aware of the undercurrents going on within the chemistry aspects of that program. True, but how do you go there? I think you and I would both agree. Let's just say um, no program in the history of the BTN has gotten more, shall we call it, benefit of the doubt analysis. I'll yeah. put it that way. You like that? Yeah. How's yeah. that for a euphemism? You like that one? Yeah. Okay. No one's gotten more benefit of the doubt analysis in the history of the Big Ten Network than Mark D'Antonio has. Should we stipulate to that? Okay. I'm good with that. Particularly in Mr. DiNardo's case, he loves him some Mark D'Antonio. Okay. So how did they not know? They had no clue. They couldn't see. They're there at practice a whole day. You don't, you can't, you know, you don't see Malik McDowell loafing it. You know what I'm trying to say? I don't know. Okay. They also told us last year, Wisconsin, they were really worried. Remember they told, remember we did that show last year. I worried they were after seeing Wisconsin. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, that didn't really pan out. So I, sometimes though, what they say also has been accurate. You know, I hate to say this as a Michigan fan, but a lot of the skepticism, Donardo over the years, until recently has shown about Michigan in summer camp turned out to be true when we got to the fall. So 
I, and it, it's even for people who know what they're talking about, it's still somewhat of a crapshoot. But it was very clear watching the Indiana show that Donardo, as a former Hoosier coach, was concerned with what he saw and went out of the way to mitigate any optimism from Revson or Howard Griffith whatsoever. And I think and 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 sometimes the criticism is built out of expectation. You know, there was a show this past spring that they did at Michigan where Donardo apologized to Michigan defensive coordinator Don Brown to his face for saying the previous spring that he, that he thought Don Brown's defense was quote high risk high reward. And I just think Don Brown plays a more aggressive style of defense than Donardo is accustomed to, so it makes you uneasy as a coach when it's not your system. I think what Donardo's real concern with Indiana is that that they're going to have to, in his view, they're going to have to win games differently than they have the last couple of years, where they've had high-level offensive lines and they could run and that and and good running backs that allowed them to run the ball on anybody. Even when they played Michigan and Ohio State, they could run the ball on them. And and I think Donardo seemed a little shook by the fact that. He didn't think they had the ability to do that at the day when he was there. So that's what stood out to me about Indiana. And then, you know, watching Ohio State, other than they're more experienced, it was almost the exact same show they did last year. Um, physically the most impressive-looking team. Who are these, you know, freshmen who are going to go on and, and, and be star players? I mean, Howard Griffith went so far as to say – is it J.K. Dobbins, I think? He thinks he's going to be a future All-American in Ohio State. But it was also very clear that they did not think the downfield passing game that has been Urban Meyer's focus and why they brought Kevin Wilson in, particularly after they averaged 11 points a game last year in the last three games of the season against Sparty, Michigan, and Clemson. And that they didn't really see that that downfield passing game had taken the next step yet. So... Um, they think they'll, you know, they. I mean, they're still going to be one of the top, no worse than one of the top two teams in the conference. But it, it also seemed to me that they did not necessarily, and they didn't think, they think defensively they won't miss guys, that the new guys in the secondary. It'll be like last year, you know, when they lost, you know, Eli Apple and all those guys. And we didn't know who Gary and Conley and some of these guys were, who went, went on, and, and Malik Hooker, who became first-round picks. They think the new guys in the secondary, they're not going to skip a beat there. But they also made it clear that the downfield passing game that has been Ohio State's focus this offseason, at least when they were at practice, they did not see it take a step forward from where it was a year ago. All right. Um, And lastly tonight, Jim Delaney, you overheard him giving an interview on uh, SiriusXM, I think it's not quite two weeks ago now, said a few things that make her noteworthy. Um, the first thing that he said was that um, they only did the Big Ten Network because they could not get a deal, the deal with ESPN they wanted in the early 2000s. And had they gotten that deal with ESPN, they probably never would have done the BTN. And if, mm-hmm. my, if my memory serves correctly, basically Delaney was in a meeting and ESPN's all excited about launching, um, either launching another ESPN channel like ESPN College or something like that, and and Delaney just kind of sat there and was hearing them go on and on and all you know they were going to use the Big Ten inventory really to launch this new network, 
and they Jim felt that that was then worth a lot more than what ESPN wanted to compensate them for, and some you know verbiage along the lines of well then go do it yourself then is what ESPN had given to Delaney when that was all over and he went and did it. I think it turned into kind of a uh, a uh, penis contest after a little bit and that's <laughs> why we have the Big Ten Network. Yeah, I was surprised to see him be as that open about that. And um, uh, he even went so he even said that they had been pitched starting their own network several times over the years, and um, just didn't think it was. It, they just thought it was too major of an undertaking um, for them to do it on their own. And um, the final straw was exactly what you just described, and. That if they had gotten what they wanted out of ESPN, in other words, if ESPN had done for the Big Ten at that moment what it did for the Big 12 in that it decided to pay off the league to not break up, to give Texas its own network to keep it in the Big 12, that that's the only reason the Big 12 exists is because ESPN did not want to have to pay the money for this new uh, for, for those teams leaving and, and likely going to the Pac-10 which would have been primarily the property of Fox and not ESPN. And so since they could not get ESPN to write them the check they thought it was worth, they just decided to go out and do it completely on their own. That that is the reason that a lot of the major changes that have taken place in collegiate sports broadcasting over the last decade with the advent of the Big Ten, that's that's what led to it. He also made a interesting point i thought about the future of television televised sports and he agreed that he thought we had reached the peak of what the rights fees you'll be able to command from cable uh channels are what what those are but he said he thinks we're going to see a resurgence of the of the major broadcast networks and he pointed out that there's been so much cord cutting the difference in viewers between ESPN and the Big Ten is closer now than the difference in viewers between ESPN and the Big Four and the Big Four broadcast networks. And he thinks we will see the Big Four broadcast networks sort of pick up the slack for what's happened with ESPN's business model collapsing and reassert their preeminence um, when it comes to uh, distribution. And, and and clearly, when you look at this new deal, and they've got you know factors involved with Hulu and and YouTube, that they see that that those so-called third third tier rights, that there's going to be a market for that. But he seemed to think that the the big television networks, the broadcast ones, and what I mean by that for people who are younger and don't know what that term even means anymore, ABC, CBS, NBC, and Fox. He thinks that they that those four entities would essentially step in rather than allowing those revenue streams to go to places like Hulu and Amazon Prime and Netflix and um, you know YouTube as as has been speculated upon. You know that that's a really interesting concept and being that Jim said it I certainly give it a lot of weight because uh, is he the perfect Guy, is he made the right call on every single thing? No. We'll probably talk about a couple of those here in a minute. 
But when it relates to being a visionary for television and media rights and things of that nature, he's been uh, ahead of his time. And so I certainly listen to that and pay some heed to it. And it seems maybe even a little bit obvious it's been hiding in plain sight. Because I think when you talk about the cord cutting and these little skinny bundles that you get from it, I believe that your local, your local channels are there. And I also believe that just with a simple um, HD antenna, you can obviously get your local channels over the air. And they also, I think, you know, in central Iowa, you know, like the channel 13, they have like a 13.1. I know in eastern Iowa, KCRG, they have a 9.1, a 9.2, a 9.3, where they, you know, some of those they show oldies. Some of those are almost like a local cable access where, you know, the on Iowa live TV show Mm -hmm. that they have that. So what you basically have in those digital .2, .3s that are obtainable over the air, meaning free, is you have the ability to have overflow channels like we have now on you know the Big, Big Ten Network. You and I both have DirecTV, so the main BTN channel is 610, but there's 610-1, there's 611 for football, there's 612. So you can have multiple games broadcast on multiple channels in football. They don't do it during basketball because of the satellite time is so limited, but you could actually do this better with the uh, local owner-operator um, aspect like this. So I think Fox would be the obvious home for the Big Ten, given their partnership, given that Fox owns 49% of the Big Ten network. Um, NBC has a Notre Dame partnership. ESPN's building out the ACC network. ESPN, ABC, those guys are all in the same family. Um, ESPN has the SEC, but CBS has a general portion, a generous portion, rather of the SEC package, too. I think uh, the Pac-12 has relationships with Fox Regionals. So you've got Fox, and these local Fox stations could make, you know, like a, what is it up in, in Iowa? Is it Channel 17? Is that Fox? Yes. So you could have a 17.1, a 17.2. Yep. And you could then broadcast, you know, so the Iowa game in the state of Iowa, that would be on the primary Channel 17 over-the-air Fox. But if, if Michigan State against Ohio State was playing in the same game time kickoff window as the Iowa game, then you could air that on 17.2, 17.3. And you could do that for all these states because, you know, Michigan has a Fox affiliates in Detroit. They have Fox affiliates in Lansing. So you could swap which games on the main channel and which ones on the, you know, the point two, point three. So... I think this is absolutely attainable, and it makes a ton of sense. Well, and in Fox's case, don't forget, they still have all those regional sports channels all over the country right. as well. And, you know, we went through this pro- we went through this period, uh, you know, in the early 2000s in Major League Baseball, where the ratings plummeted, and, you know, still NFL preseason games outdraw regular season baseball games on ESPN still. But what really uh, what, what really saved baseball and allowed franchises like your Kansas City Royals to be competitive again was the success. You know, everybody poo-pooed the Yes Network was sort of the first of these with the Yankees as the trailblazer. But then everybody in their own with their own Fox Sports regional package essentially became the home affiliate for Major League Baseball teams uh, in their markets. And the ratings 
in places like Kansas City and St. Louis and Detroit, the ratings in these cities, they're, they're pulling huge shares, huge ratings in, in what are major markets. And these are huge revenue streams. And now if you have, you know, Dish Network or DirecTV, you can you can either get these channels or get these baseball games as part of a package as well. And that regionalization has has been a boon to baseball from a broadcast uh, revenue standpoint. So I could see that emulated to some extent in college football, too. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're mostly dead on with the baseball. I mean, the, the Cardinals signed a $1 billion deal, um, extension of their existing deal uh, for their Fox affiliate that goes from 2018 through 2032, $1 billion dollars. Um, the Royals, however, have the worst deal in all of baseball. Uh, it, it, it's a it's a thorn in my side because I just wish they would have renegotiated that deal so Kansas City could keep some of these free agents they're going to have. But the Royals deal will be up for bid in 2019. But the last three seasons, the Kansas City Royals, by a measure of ratings, not total market audience because New York's obviously a larger market, but the Kansas City has had the highest ratings in all of baseball. Well, that's what I'm pointing out. That's why I said the, the, that's why I use the rate because I don't know what the what the revenues for all these teams are, but I know that in most of these major league cities, the ratings, the numbers they're pulling down because it's the perfect time to run it too. It's summer. Most no people, doubt. no doubt, you know, if, if you know they're outside for a little bit, then they want to escape the heat. All your favorite shows are in reruns. They're pulling huge numbers on these regional channels. Mm -hmm. And I think when you also consider there's another factor at play here, and Fox has invested a lot of money in bringing ESPN talent over to their network. Colin Cowherd, Skip Bayless, um, Jason Whitlock, Mark Schlereth. Um, I could give you more names. Uh, they brought just brought Doug Gottlieb over from CBS Sports. I mean, they, they are investing a lot of money in in the talent. Uh, and I think they see an opening with ESPN's weaknesses. So um, what better way, if, if you really want to, if you, if you see ESPN's exploit, weaknesses as something you can exploit, well, um, what better way to go after that than, other than the NFL, what is the most, and you already have that if you're Fox anyway, so, in fact, you're you're superior on that aspect to ESPN because you get to do Super Bowls and they don't. But so, what's the next most lucrative property? College football, and you try to put a dent in ESPN where that's concerned. You know, I could see I I, I could see Fox going to the NBA in the future as well for the exact same reason. It's clear Fox thinks there's an opening to compete with ESPN. That would be a good move, and or an interesting one to watch to see if the um, the RSN Regional Sports Network idea would work there as well. Um, Delaney also saying on that SiriusXM interview that he, the Big Ten, they didn't have a grand plan when adding Penn State. I know this blew me away when he said this. He he was a brand new uh, commissioner. The opportunity he said to grab Penn State was there, and he thought it would just be a nice boon to the conference given where they were you know while you and i are doing this i've got the u 30 for 30 on my man cave tv down here and and they and i've got it on mute 
and they just showed they were they were just talking about 30 years ago remember before the bcs unless unless the the number one and two teams were a conference champion and an independent we couldn't get those teams together for in, in, in a bowl game for a national championship and in 86 we had that miami penn state were one and two and the fiesta bowl didn't have a conference um affiliation so they were able to get them to play each other and 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 uh, the NCA granted them a waiver to move the game to January the second as a de facto national championship game. That was a huge event when you and I were kids. The, the, the young people listening to this don't can't remember an era where we weren't able to do that. You know what I'm saying? So I bring that up because when when the opportunity to grab Penn State was there, they were it was this era. You know, Joe Paterno was Sports Illustrated's Sportsman of the Year, Independent Football was you know the biggest brand florida state was an independent miami an independent notre dame an independent penn state an independent and all of these schools had hall of fame coaches at the same time Mm -hmm. in the primes of their careers and and so he just he did this on a flyer they had no grand plan to go to 12 and have a championship game and it goes to something and very similar to what he did with the Big Ten Network. Well, we just did it on a flyer because they wouldn't pay us the money we wanted. We didn't, like, plot this thing out for, like, a 10-year network. And what I find fascinating is it does go to the the difference in, the difference in approaches between the Big Ten and the SEC, is that the Big Ten has often been in a reactionary mode, the trailblazer, and then the SEC has kind of set back, watched what the Big Ten did, and thought, all right, well, let's actually plan out what we watch them do and see if we can do it better. And you've you've seen that with the SEC network is worth even twice now what the Big Ten network's worth, and the Big Ten network's worth a poop load of money, and the SEC's worth twice that. You saw the SEC watch the Big Ten bring in Penn State, and they're like, well, let's just bring in two teams and have a conference championship game and take this thing to the next level. You know, and so I think that's that has been – you know, the two conferences that are clearly ahead of everybody else in collegiate sports. And this has sort of been the unintentional symbiotic relationship between the two leagues. You know, you brought up Miami, and I was arguing with a Miami fan this week, somebody I know. So this is really apropos of nothing that we've been talking about up here non sequitur. But since Miami joined the ACC 13 years ago, do you know how many 10 or more winning? 10 or more game winning seasons they've had since they've actually joined a real conference? Oh, they've had none. Zero. They've had none. Zip. Yep. They haven't played in an ACC championship game yet. And, yep. you know, here's the thing, because, and this is the thing the fans of those independent schools, you know, when Florida State took over the ACC, they dominated the thing for like 10 years in a row. But, you know, when Penn State, they were going to dominate the Big Ten. Well, they won the Big Ten championship in 1994. And then I then I don't think they won it again until Larry Johnson. Yeah, no, they they didn't win it no two either. That was he was there in two thousand and two. That was the year Ohio State won the national title with Maurice Claret. Was it two? Oh, we could, who won it? Two thousand and five. Two thousand and five. Wow. And remember, there were four out of five seasons there. Paterno had losing records. And so fans of these schools will go back and they'll they'll point out how many big games Miami played everybody back in those days. That you're right, but here's the difference: they got to set their own schedule. Okay, so you know they didn't have to play Florida State, uh, and then the next week 
another team that's very familiar with them in a letdown spot. They could play Cincinnati. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. They yeah. that they played a ton of marquee games, but they got to lay out the schedule in the most favorable way that they could manage. Yeah, gerrymandering, for sure. No yes. Doubt. Yep. No. They, and when you're in a league, you can't do that. Yep. Yep. You've you know, talked about, and, you've talked about that often. And 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 you're playing teams that there there aren't too many helmet games because they see it every year, so they're not intimidated by it. You know, doesn't mean by the way that you're not still a lot better than them. But that, you know, you're not Tiger Woods pre-crash wearing a red shirt on the final day of a major when when you're Miami doesn't look at Wake Forest or Wake Forest doesn't look at Miami as now as like we got no shot against these guys. And of course they have no shot, but they were thinking that in the 80s and 90s. Now when Miami comes out, they're like just another ACC game, man. You know, that, 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 that does change the mindset. You saw it in golf. The minute Tiger showed the slightest bit of vulnerability, his entire world collapsed. Okay, the minute he couldn't make David Duvall piss himself down the final 18 of Augusta National as his Sunday playing partner, when he lost that edge, everything imploded from there. And so when these schools join leagues, that intimidation factor, that strangeness factor, that unknown factor of, well, we only see these guys on TV, and every time we see them, they're playing some marquee game. Well, now you're just another game in the ACC. Now Nebraska, you're just another game in the Big Ten. Now Penn State, you're another game in the Big Ten. That does have a mental factor. You bet it does. It does. Um, Delaney also saying he thinks slash hopes that expansion is done. Uh- that, those were those were his exact words. He thinks, hopes, that expansion is done. He didn't think there were too many options out there that would not cannibalize the Big Ten's business model. But, you know, um, that's not to say some of those options could not eventually present themselves. Right, 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 right. Um, and lastly, uh, it says the Big Ten only added Maryland and Rutgers – in response to ACC expansion, and he mm-hmm. and he originally planned on bringing in Nebraska in for the twelfth team, and stopping there. So Maryland and Rutgers, a reactionary move, and I got to tell you, it, it just kind of reminds me of uh, drunk guys at a bar with a lot of money, you know, belching and saying, "Why not? Let's have a round of fireball. Let's do it." Yeah, I'm trying to go back to when you and I covered this so prevalently back in 2010 when this was all going on. And I, I, I'm not, listen, I don't want to call Jim a liar. I just seem to recall that when it was clear the Big Ten couldn't bring in Notre Dame or um, Texas, didn't we talk about the fact that, well, they're going to try to move east? Because they need to add another population base, and so if you can't go yes, south, we did. Then you're going to go east, and he made it. But he made it. He was very adamant that they were not proactive in going after the ACC, but reactive. Um, okay, I mean, he would know better than me. I don't know. He'd have no reason in an interview where he's being so brutally honest. He has no reason to spin or lie about this. It's just different than the narrative that we thought we were watching from the ten thousand foot view on the outside when that was all going down seven years ago, that their perspective there, you know, in suburban Chicago was not that we were actively trying to destabilize the ACC, but we were worried that they were going to supplant us as the second, as the Isengard 
to the SEC's Mordor, if you will. And so we had to act as, as in the Big Ten to avoid that from happening. That was their perspective. Maybe we were giving them too much credit. You know, I know you, you know, you like to refer to Delaney as the godfather and things of that nature. Maybe he's not as forward thinking as we thought. And it, it, it maybe this, you know, from their perspective, it was more rea- reactionary. Yeah, I mean, I remember writing and saying back in the early, two, early 2000s that I thought Rutgers would one day be in the Big Ten. Just because they were, you know, large state institution. Mm-hmm. But... Um, you know, if we could go back in time and, and not have Maryland and Rutgers in the Big Ten, I'd be all for it. Well, you go back to – I said seven years ago, three schools that, that, that you that as sure as I am of gravity would end up in the big – be the last three teams in the Big Ten. I said Missouri, Rutgers, and Maryland. Now, I didn't think Nebraska was a factor. And it was clear that – we were we, – that, that was right – it's just they had the chance to get Nebraska instead of Missouri, and obviously you do that if you're the Big Ten. Well, yeah, the Missouri, the Missouri president was flapping his gums, and then, you know, Tom Osborne felt like, you know, Doss Lodge in Texas just it just wasn't going to be a good marriage for them. Uh, mm-hmm. They were being squeezed. They were in the north, and uh, he made the call to Delaney, and he handled things, um, you know, on the down low and rather sublimely where Missouri was the drunk guy at the bar saying, look at this hot chick I'm, I'm, I'm talking to. Yep. And when you look at what what could potentially be available out there, I think obviously the Texas is the big fish the Big Ten wants. And I think has always has wanted it ever since they couldn't get Notre Dame. And then the question is, do you, do you, do you go to 16 or you just if you get Texas, do you just have an unbalanced division? Um, if If you can't get Texas, is our Oklahoma and Oklahoma State – Oklahoma clearly is, um, even though academically they're a school that's ranked, I think, even lower than Nebraska was when the Big Ten brought them in. But, you know, if you've got to bring both Oklahoma and Oklahoma State together, is that worth it to you? And I'm not sure the answer to that question is yes from a television model standpoint. I don't I, I don't know. I'm not saying uh, I'm skeptical that it's not yes. I'm just saying I don't know. Indeed. Well, you know, that's going to do it for this installment of the HN Podcast. Thanks once again to Exile Brewing Company for coming back and on board with us for another season as our anchor sponsor of the HN Podcast. For Steve, I'm John. We will talk to you soon.